All right, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, what we're going to talk about is is our Baptist memorials. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Excuse me. The word memorial, of course, Memorial Day for Americans, or moral means to contain in memory or to keep in memory. A memorial day for Americans to remember those who died in defense of our nation. And of course, this is an honorable thing for us as Americans. However, as Americans, as we have forgotten those who died for liberties, uh, for the liberties that we have uh, as Christians, and I'm referring to religious liberty. And uh, so this afternoon, I'm going to look a little bit about uh, our Baptist memorials. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to uh, remember uh, those that have gone before us, uh, this great cloud of witnesses who have testified to the grace of God and given their lives and lived their lives for you. And, uh, Father, they are a challenge and encouragement to us to follow in their steps. I pray that you give us courage and boldness and wisdom in these days in which we're living just to be faithful until our Lord comes for us or calls us home. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that you'll see uh, sometimes uh, take place in political circles or talk shows or, or such like is you'll see uh, the, the, a discussion about where liberty or the origin of liberty, uh, but most often this is argued from a Protestant viewpoint. I remember talking to Nathan a couple of years ago, and he was talking about this, um, and it, you know, he has a pretty good talk show, this guy has, he's a professing Christian, and he was having this discussion with somebody else um, about you know, religious liberty and persecution of Christians, and, but his argument broke down because he argument, argued from a Protestant viewpoint. And when you argue from a Protestant viewpoint, understand Protestants are not Baptists. Um, I know Bob Jones III, some years ago, in the early 2000s, coined a phrase, Baptist-Protestant. Well, that's an oxymoron. They don't mix. Protestants are those, they're reformers, or those who have protested against the Catholic Church like Martin Luther, um, Uritz Zwingli from Switzerland, John Calvin, uh, many of these guys, they were, they, were, they were actually Catholic monks, many of them, or Catholic priests, some of them, who tried to reform the Catholic Church and then left the Catholic Church and started churches with a lot of the same trappings that the Catholic Church had. Baby baptism, uh, you know, some form of the Lord's Supper that was unscriptural, and just a lot of things like that. Uh, 
Baptists, on the other hand, were never part of the Catholic Church. We never protested the Catholic Church because we're never part of it. You know, our history can be traced all the way back to the apostles and Christ and John the Baptist. And, you know, and I'm not going to spend my time talking and trying to give evidence of that, although I do have some things that I'll read here in a minute. But, but there's many different historians of different denominations who will declare that, from Lutheran to Catholics to you know, uh, Methodists. They all admit that the Baptists are the original Christians from the first century. So there's a difference between a Baptist and a Protestant. Baptists have never persecuted anyone. They have, at times, defended themselves from persecution, but they have never been persecutors. Because the, the main difference between Baptists and all others is civil liberty. Liberty of conscience. If you want to believe a lie, that's your right. Just as long as you don't try to kill me because I don't agree with you. Uh, and, and, you know, again, most of these arguments are back. In fact, Obama, Obama, when he was president, used this very thing. At a prayer breakfast, national prayer breakfast, uh, I'm not sure what the date was, but this article is from the Washington Post by Aaron Blake, February 6, 2015. And, and the title is, Why Obama Invoked the Crusades and What It Says About How He Views Terrorism. So he was in response to uh, terrorists, uh, Islamic terrorists, and this is what he said at National Prayer Breakfast on Thursday. Obama noted there was a time when people mass murdered in the name of Christianity, too. And the quote, this is what he said, Lest we get on our high horse and think this is unique to some other place. Remember that during the Crusades and the Inquisition, people committed terrible deeds in the name of Christ. In our home country, slavery and Jim Crow all too often was justified in the name of Christ. Unquote. So what Obama doing doing is using the Crusades, which were which were Catholic, they were they were Catholic. You know the Catholic, their purpose, quote unquote, again, they're mass deceivers. Their purpose was to liberate Jerusalem from the the, the Muslims and bring it back to the Christian people, which is them, quote unquote. So they 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 you know, would offer uh, gifts and things to get people and armies to go to Jerusalem. You know, people went from all the way from England to these crusades, and I can't remember how many there were. There was even a child's crusade, like 13-year-old kids. You know, most of them just died. Uh, it just shows you the, the wickedness of all this. Anyway, uh, and so they would have these people go to fight and try to liberate Jerusalem from the Muslims, which they never really were completely successful at. So that was the Crusades. That was a Catholic thing. What it did was it weakened many of the kings in Europe. Um, and um, although there were some there were some benefits from it because it did open up the world to to uh, enlightenment. But then and then of course the Inquisition that he quotes about was a Catholic. Uh, persecution tool where they 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 uh, tortured, put to death anyone who anyone of dissent or questioned the authority of the Pope. And these were terrible deeds. They were done in the name of Christ. However, the Catholic Church is an abomination unto God. It's not Christian. Uh, but when you again, and so 
when they argue from a Protestant viewpoint, again, you have the same kind of thing. Because the Protestants also persecuted the Baptists and any dissenters. Martin Luther persecuted. Richard Zingley persecuted. John Calvin, they were all persecutors. And so they all are, their, their hands are all stained with blood. So when you argue from a Protestant viewpoint, you don't really have a clean argument. Um, and nor, nor do you have the origin of what liberty really is. You know, even, you know, we talk about, you know, having liberty in America, we're free and all this. And most, most people are more concerned about liberty to do business, liberty to do to, to go where they want, to travel where they want. Travel. They're not, today they're not really concerned about religious liberty. But the reason we have all those liberties is because of religious liberty. And we're losing that religious liberty. And if we lose it, the rest of our liberties are going too. Because that is the origin of, of all liberty. Uh, near the song we just sang, Faith of Our Fathers, says, Our fathers chained in prisons dark. We're still in heart and conscience free. You know, John, in the Gospel of John, John chapter 8, in verse 32, it says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, we were never in bondage any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth the sin is the servant of sin. The servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If therefore the Son shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So when we think about religious liberty, you know, Christ said, you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It is the truth of God's word that sets men free from the bondage and from tyranny. Gives us understanding. You know, we need to understand that that our liberties don't, do not come from government. That is not the source. In fact, our founding fathers understood that also. The Declaration of Independence says this, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So the founding fathers even understood that liberty does not come from government. It comes from God. It comes from God. You know, there was a day when most people in America understood that. This is an article called Baptists in the Constitution. It was in the Soul of the Lord. I'm not sure what the date was. It's, it's a few years ago. Anyway, by Dr. Don Boys. He was a former Indiana House of Representatives. <laughs> I think he's about 90 years old now. But anyway, he's been a staunch defender of Baptists. And he says, the article goes like this, Baptists have been the first to speak out for freedom of themselves and for others, and the last to persecute those who disagreed with them. John Locke, 1632-1704, to founder of philosophical empiricism, wrote, quote, the Baptists were the first and only propounders of absolute liberty, unquote. Locke was correct, and other informed people know that Baptists have always believed that true salvation cannot be forced by the sword. They have defended those who were being forced to think, believe, and act to satisfy church or crack. 
Catholic writer Michael Novak wrote, quote, Liberal extremists don't seem to remember that the primary energy behind the First Amendment came from the Baptists and other dissident churches of Virginia. Uh, and he says, Jerry Falwell's ancestors, who suffered grievous punishments, public whippings, jail, heavy fines for the crime of preaching without a license from the state. Uh, don't give a whole much for Jerry Falwell, but anyway, the article goes on. They held the state had no power to license preachers' gospel, only the gospel did. When James Madison was opposed to writing amendments into the new constitution, the Baptists of Orange County reminded him vigorously that they had elected him to office and they wanted religious liberty put down in writing. No establishment, free exercise, turned out to be the perfect formula in their eyes. Baptists and other evangelical Christians need no lectures from secular liberals about the meaning of the First Amendment. In 1791, it was their idea, unquote. He says that's some statement from a Catholic scholar about Baptists and their contributions to freedom. Uh, and so, you know, again, that is the origin. Uh, there's another, there's another, this is a book come out of, that's an article come out of a book titled The World, Religions of the World by Vincent Milner. Uh, it's, uh, I thought I saw the date on it, but it's an old book, 1800s. Anyway, and he writes, quote, It is clear conviction that the truth and equity of their principles that has made the Baptists the pioneers of religious liberty in its full extent, both in the old world and in the new, before William Penn, before Lord Baltimore, before Jeremy Taylor, Milton, or Locke, even before William I of Orange in the 16th century, their clear testimony is on record. And theirs is the high honor of establishing in the little colony of Rhode Island, 1636, the first civil government in modern times, which declared that consciences should be free, in which noble declaration, 50 years later, they were followed by the Friends of Pennsylvania, and since the Revolution of 1776, by all of the United States. This honor history now awards them, but how few know what toils and sacrifices, what vigilance and patience, prayers, tears, and blood it costs the Baptist to win this boon of freedom for all mankind, unquote. Yes, there was, you know, we can, we can talk about the Americans who have died to keep us free. But there are been millions of Baptists who have died to give us liberty of conscience. You know, these, these rights, again, do not come from government. If we, if we lose the understanding of the origin of our liberties... We're going to lose our liberties. Because then we become, we look to government for answers. Government doesn't have the answers. In, uh, in his book, Sacred Betrayal, there's an interesting comparison between Roger Williams' Bloody Tenant. It was a booklet he wrote called The Bloody Tenant. Uh, and then there's a comparison with that with the Declaration of Independence, and it's very striking. Of course, the Bloody Tenant was written first, the 1600s. In the Bloody Tenant, Roger Williams says this, uh, Civil government is an ordinance of God. The 
Declaration of Independence says that we are endowed by that Creator with certain inalienable rights. In other words, and again, that government is of the of of God. Uh, <clears throat> foundation of civil power. This is the lieutenant. Quote, foundation of civil power lies in the people, whom they must needs mean by the civil power distinct from the government set up. All right? The Declaration of Independence says this, that to secure these rights, governments, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Different wording, but same idea. Power lies in the people. We're supposed to be a republic. That means by the people, for the people. Um, the blade tenant again. Governments, as are by them erected and established by the people, have no more power for no longer time than the civil power of people consenting and agreeing shall we trust them with. All right? In the Declaration of Independence, it says this. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute a new government. Again, same, same thing. You know, so a lot of these same things were uh, written in, uh, by, by uh, uh, Roger Williams in his Bloody Tenement. Of course, John Clark also, who started the first Baptist church in America in Rhode Island. I wrote a lot of things concerning that as well. But we see what we see here then is that these 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 the origin of religious liberty or of liberty I shouldn't say religious liberty of all liberty came through the people of God God's people and of course we are losing those liberties you know uh, pastors are being scrutinized censored. Uh, speakers have been threatened with violences on college campuses. Uh, St. Louis passed an ordinance not allow religious organizations to be exempt from hiring those that are pro-abortion. Uh, compel private business to provide pro-abortion health care. And, and so all these things are happening. Why? We're looking to government. We're looking to government. And, and, the, and the, the source of liberty is not government. It is God. You know, every individual. And what we have here is a great cloud of witnesses. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, says, We are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us slide, let us slide every weight, and the sin which so easily beset us. The word wherefore, again, refers to what proceeds in chapter 11. Now, in chapter 11, you have a record of those who, by faith, did great things, and... Uh, those who, who were witnessed of and were witnesses, they attested to their own, by their own case, the faithfulness of God to his people. Some of them are martyrs in, in a modern sense. Uh, and, and, we, and we see that in some of, this, some of these, some commentators believe that these were people, that this is prophetic, that these were people that were martyred after the resurrection of Christ. For example, in verses 36 through 38, so the others had a trial of cruel mocking, scourging, yea, more of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. 
And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. So these, these were people who were martyred for their faith. Uh, and in witnessing this struggle, they're, they're witnesses to the fact that God is merciful and God is gracious and that we can too can live for the Lord. And not to live for the Lord, realize that our, our, our uh, source, origin of truth is not in government but in, in God. So you know, we have here a record, a history of persecution. New Testament times is the story of the blood of the martyrs. You know, there was the Roman persecutions. Constantine united this church with a state. And after, after the Roman persecutions, and then you had the Roman Catholic Church. There was persecution, torture, and bloodshed of God's people. It became rampant. Uh, groups, entire groups of people, some called by different names, the Paulicians, the Donatists of North Africa, the Albigenses of southern France, the Waldensians of whom Brother... Uh, um, Alexander talked about much about in Italy and southern France and all over Europe. Uh, they were Anabaptists called, called this in a derision, and they were martyred for their faith. Some people say, some historians say, as many as 75 million during the Dark Ages alone. 75 million. Now, most people think that in America it was different. But it really wasn't. Colonial America, there were similar situations. In the colonies, there was state-sanctioned church. Again, this was, this was uh, Reformed or Protestant churches that also persecuted. In, in, England, or in New England, you had the Church of England. Virginia, you had the Episcopalian. In North Carolina here, we had Presbyterians. Most of you have probably heard of the Battle of Alamance. And uh, it really wasn't a battle. It's just Governor Tryon ordered the regulators shot, hanged, or struck through, and they fled. Uh, other places had congregationalists. Yeah, every, every Protestant denomination had a state church in colonial America. That's why John Clark and Roger Williams fled Boston and established the first Baptist church in the American colonies in Newport, Rhode Island. And... Uh, of course, you know, got obtained a charter, which we heard about, um, granted him, which is the first charter of any kind gr- granting religious liberty in 1663, of which Thomas Jefferson said aided him in writing the Declaration of Independence. Uh, Isaac Baptist, who was pastor of Baptist Church in Middleborough, uh, Massachusetts, was taxed, seized, imprisoned, released without paying the tax or compromising, labored all his life seeking religious liberty in New England. He was sent to the Continental Congress in Philadelphia by the Warren Association to enlist some favor of the liberty of conscience for the Baptists. He was accused of being a Tory. That, you know, a Tory is one who favors the British during the Revolutionary War. Shubal Stearns, Sandy Creek, right over in Sandy Creek in North Carolina, established a church there, grew to 900, or persecuted and reduced to 300, or 13. They went all over the South, baptizing people, credited with birthing over 1,000 churches. Isaac McCoy, Baptist missionary of the Frontier Indians, uh, at, at great expense. And so all these, we have all these witnesses throughout the ages. And what is it, what is it that they witnessed to? What is it that caused so much 
persecution. Well, in his book, Levi, Lehigh Valley Baptist Church has a book on Baptist history, and in it, he quotes a lot from a guy named, his last name is Orchard. On page 137, there's an article about the Anabaptists in, uh, I think this was Switzerland. And uh, uh, this, of course, has been the Protestants persecuting, and this is, this, and I'll read you part of this. It says, this is, so this has been the Reformers of the Protestants persecuting Anabaptists. The first edict against Anabaptism was published at Zurich, in which there was a penalty of a silver mark set upon all such as should suffer themselves to be rebaptized, or should withhold baptism from the children. So if you didn't, if you wouldn't baptize your child, infant, do infant baptism, or if your church required you to be rebaptized, if you came from a Protestant church, you know, like we do. Uh, if a person comes from a Protestant church was baptized by some other form of baptism, we require them to be rebaptized, and uh, or it's not a true church. So this is what they did, and of course, anybody that was that was of such, it was further declared that those who openly opposed this order should be yet more severely treated. This being insufficient to check immersion, the Senate decreed, like Honorius, that all persons who profess anabaptism or baptism, rebaptizing or harbored the professors of the doctrine, should be punished with death by drowning. Now, this isn't the Catholic Church. This is the Protestants doing this. It had been death to refuse baptism. Now it was death to be baptized. Such is the weathercock certainty of state religion. In defiance of this law, the Baptists persevered in their regular discipline. Some ministers of learned celebrity realized the severity of the sentence. Many Baptists were drowned and burnt. These severe measures, which continued for years, had the consent of the Reformers, which ended greatly the Lutheran cause. It was the cruel policy of papacy inflicted by the brethren. Wherever the Baptists settled, Luther played the part of a universal bishop and wrote to princes and senates to engage them to expel such dangerous men, but it was their refusing to own his authority and admit his exposition of the Scriptures, which led him to preach and publish books against them, taxing them with disturbing peace." We have records that the Baptists were the common objects of aversion to Catholics, Lutherans, and Calvinists, whose united zeal was directed to their destruction. So deeply were the prejudices interwoven with a state party that the knights, on an oath, were to declare their abhorrence of Anabaptism, or Baptists. The sentiments of these people, and which was so disliked by statesmen, clergy, and reformers, may be stated under five views. So here's why they're hated. And here's why we're hated. It's the same thing. Number one, a love of civil liberty in opposition to magisterial dominion or affirmation of the sufficiency and simplicity of revelation in opposition to scholastic theology, a zeal for self-government in opposition to clerical authority, a requisition of the reasonable service of a personal profession of Christianity rising out of a man's own conviction. So, so you know, the, the, the things that they're guilty of, that we are guilty of, is a love for civil liberty in opposition to a church state. In other words, force the kind of religion you're going to worship, uh, which we're seeing in communist country, we're starting to see here. There's also a, a self-government of our churches, uh, a personal profession of Christianity rising out of a man's convictions. Don't you want to believe what you want to believe? 
See, these people weren't allowed to believe against the will of the Catholic Church or the Protestants. Uh, in opposition to the practice of force on infants, the whole of which they deemed superstition or enthusiasm, and the indispensable necessity of virtue in every individual of the Christian church. So, so we're not supposed to expect virtue in members of our churches. So church discipline is gone. In distinction from all speculative creeds, all rites and ceremonies, and parochial divisions. So, so these are the things that, that uh, uh, you know, were, were hated by the Baptists. You know, we could, we could sum them up as, you know, uh, individual soul liberty or liberty of conscience. So that's the right to believe what you want. No church-state relationship. A regenerated, saved church membership. Baptism by immersion or dipping. That's, that's, these are the five things. And the necessity of new birth experience prior to baptism. They rejected infant baptism. Uh, and so these are the things they were... They were, they were guilty of, and this is why they were so persecuted uh, for their faith. And so it was the Baptists, uh, and we come to America, it was the Baptists in Virginia, led by John Leland, who petitioned, supported in elections, and persuaded James, James Madison to assist for the Bill of Rights, which gives us uh, no, no, no established religion. So, so these are the things... This is the origin, you might say, of Christian, of our liberties. I shouldn't, again, I use that. We just said, should say liberty. All liberty comes from God, not from the state. But so many today do not understand. You know, I for years did not understand the difference between a Protestants and the Baptists. And so, we are compassed about with this great cloud of witnesses. There are many who have gone before us and given their lives so that we have the liberties to meet as we do. And so the challenge to us is, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, so it's a matter of discipline you know, to lay aside means to lay off or to put away uh, every weight, things that are any any cumbrances that would would hinder us from from uh, progressing or uh, in faith. Uh, the besetting sin, you know, it talks it has to do with a lack of faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If there are things in your life that hinder or prevent you assembling together. You know. Uh, it's besetting sin, it can cause a weakness. Uh, it can be a weakness to temptation. Things you watch or listening to or reading affect your thoughts, which will affect your actions. You, we're, we're being bombarded. We're being programmed by the world to accept the ideology that they're pushing. You know, and even the like I said, even many of the so-called good talk shows, like I mentioned, they argue from a Protestant viewpoint. And so they can be, they can be dis, dis, discredited because Protestants 
persecuted those with a not like them. Whether they were Baptists, Mennonites, Moravians, they persecuted them. Um, so we need to understand the difference between Baptists and Protestants. We need to lay aside. You know, this, this Protestant idea is a weakness. It weakens the testimony of God's people. And so, we need to be careful. Careful um, of, of where we get our information. You know, and this is the other thing with this, with this, with this censoring age, where, you know, information is being censored. Five years ago, I think it was, I googled number of Baptists put to death or martyred during the, the uh, Catholic Inquisition, and I got several websites that I could find where they gave numbers. Yesterday, I was trying to find it. You know, back then, there were several articles that said, 75 million, one guy said maybe as many as 150 million. Like the Waldensians, the Albigenses, okay. Yesterday when I was looking, at the, th- the only thing I could find was in the thousands. The same web pages would not come up. We're being censored. And it's not just Trump on Facebook. See, big tech deciding what we can research and what we cannot. And we're being lied to. But, you know, there are books written. Of course, men like Ted Alexander have done work and others. Um, And so, but we have have this, we have a great heritage. Um, Millions of men and women, men and women and children have died for the cause of Christ given their lives, spent time in jail. Um, 12 years in Bedford Jail, wrote Pilgrim's Progress. John Bunyan, why? Because he refused to take a license, which would have been a state sanction to preach the gospel, because he believed in religious liberty. While his little blind girl Mary would beg for his release. And many others, of course, gave their lives, were martyred uh, for their faith. William Tinio gave his life translating the scriptures. Miles Coverdale took up the mantle. He also was martyred. And many more. So we have a great cloud of witnesses. We have those who have gone before us have set the example that we ought to follow. They, were, they looked unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And we need to look unto him. And we need to be thankful for the heritage we have, the memorial we have in our Baptist forefathers who lived and died that we might have the freedoms that we have today. Might we be faithful. Might we 
instruct our children and our grandchildren. You know, we're not losing this war on the battlefield. We didn't lose the Vietnam War on the battlefield. We lost it in the minds of Americans. We're losing our wars not on the battlefield. We're losing them in the minds of Americans because we've lost the origin of where true liberty comes from. Might God help us to hold fast and not forget the price that was paid.